I'm Leonard Nimoy. Join me for In Search of... An Artemis! Hi, this is John Heinz. Welcome to the podcast. This is a special episode we're doing in lieu of our typical top-of-mind episode, and this week it's just the guys. Uh, Jim and I are here in kind of what is, I don't know, I guess going to be something of a throwback in the fact, given that we're, we're the only two here. Uh, and we're going to do an episode that's something that we're both interested in. Penises. Um, no, that's different. Right. I'm sorry, that was... Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's, and that doesn't even work as a metaphor. But, um, but yeah, the um, we're going to um, we're going to talk about the Google and Facebook antitrust cases, and we're probably going to do it in our own kind of weird, quirky way that uh, that 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 may or may not be enticing to to listeners. But uh, um, the, it it interests J- Jim and I are interested in this. I think for a few reasons. Obviously, we have our legal backgrounds are partially. Uh, tied to it, but I also just think it's a um, it's a it's a major um, there, there's potential for major change to society based on this, and I think we can uh, we we want to kind of uh, give our give our takes on it so we can kind of see where um, see where where we fit in relation to what's going on in the in the uh, maybe in the in the eyes of the Department of Justice and some of the attorneys general around the U.S. who are bringing these cases. So, Jim, how are you? I'm good. Okay, good. Uh, do you want to start? I mean, I had a my my idea for yeah. how we would structure this is I'm basically thinking this is a non. I'm envisioning our audience kind of knows the the rudiments uh, at least, which is in essence um, the the Department of Justice or the Federal Trade Commission have brought antitrust cases along in some cases with uh, attorneys general. Uh, that is with some states, uh, forty eight states in some cases, and far fewer states in other cases, but. Um, there's a few case, a few antitrust cases out there. I don't know if we want to do an exhaustive analysis of the antitrust case, the cases specifically, but um, I, I think we'll probably we'll probably get into some aspects specifically. But I think more, I think maybe what we're more interested in are the kind of broad uh, potential risks and advantages of these of this uh, of this litigation and kind of what it means and maybe sure. putting putting it into into perspective. Does that seem fair? Okay. Sure. All right. So m- maybe we can start with that. So. Jim, in your uh, wait, wait a minute before we start with that, yeah, uh, I'd like to ask you a question because you tend to be a vociferous critic of big tech. Yes. So, do you, without again, without getting into the murky details, is right. it your view that these antitrust cases are a positive thing in just sort of a basic premise against Google and um, Facebook? I think there is a I think there is definitely an a problem with competition and with income inequality that is exacerbated by the big tech companies. There's no question. I'm not sure these cases are going to fix anything. <laughs> I mean, that's my that's my takeaway. I mean, that's my that's my overview. And my my criticism me... of tech is more about my use of it too, Jim. By the well, way, okay. I mean, well, I'm, I mean I'm critical but, of tech. I think I think Google does some pretty awesome stuff. Apple does some pretty awesome stuff. I love their products. I really do. I use them all the time. Facebook, I never use, but that's I have my criticism of Facebook is just I don't like the interface. I mean, its model is like this kind of constantly grabbing you and grabbing your friends and grabbing your information and reaching out. And it has this feeling of a virus, which 
now takes on a different meaning in co- in the time of COVID. But I never liked Facebook from like the beginning. I never liked Facebook okay. before it was being why used you, very much. Why do you think Google and Facebook contribute to income inequality? Well, I mean, I just think it's you know, what the the growth in the stock market has been primarily through the tech companies, um, stocks, and the. Uh, the the con- concentrate I I mean this is where I guess I'm kind of on the traditional left which would be concentration of power in a specific industry leads to concentration of wealth and that I think that exacerbates income inequality you know I I mean I think that the analogy to Andrew Carnegie or you know I mean the the oil barons and and the you know I don't know the the other kind of historically powerful individuals who in in specific industries where they just basically ran everything because there was no competition I think there's some application to that here I just don't think that the way we're doing it in the US it, I think it's very different with tech but I do think that that basic idea about concentrations of wealth with with super wealthy because of industries where there's a lack of competition still exists okay what about you what's the significance of these antitrust i mean i think it's interesting especially because the facebook suit seeks to break up facebook which is a very rare remedy nowadays in a antitrust case the last major company breakup in the united states from an antitrust case was the at&t suit which was you know basically about 35 years ago that it was resolved and uh so it's it's a it's obviously uh the remedy being sought is rare and uh you know potentially extreme so that makes it a sort of an interesting one-off and of course the uh, other thing that makes it interesting although you know not legally untenable is that the ft some of the things that faith that have been raised in the suit such as facebook acquiring potential competitors the ftc did not oppose those mergers when they actually happened. And mm-hmm. so now is coming back and saying that, you know, essentially perhaps that was maybe we should have opposed them, not in so many words, but uh, but it does, it is a somewhat of a, represents somewhat of a change of position regarding. Uh, uh, well, so are you, so is, is the, are the cases interesting to you or, or or are you saying that the cases should be interesting to our readers, our listeners, because sorry, you, if you're you might be reading the transcript of this. Um, yes. The, if, uh, if if you're what say, are you saying life that, you have, if you're are you are you saying that the podcast. are you saying that the uh, that that these cases should be interesting to our listeners because they're kind of um, landmark. I don't cases? know if they're interesting to our listeners. I find. Well, why, why should they be? I, I, well, I told the two reasons. I think be? that the Facebook case in particular is interesting is because of the, the two things I mentioned, which is that it's a reversal of position of the FTC and that they're seeking actually to break up Facebook. I find the other thing, I guess the bigger picture thing that I find odd or unusual about these antitrust cases with respect to 
Google and Facebook. And this is not the same for Apple or Amazon, but particularly for Google and Facebook. And I don't know if there's some concern about Twitter, too, or whether that's... I haven't, I haven't seen anything about anybody taking any antitrust action against them, but I don't know if they're next on the chopping block or what. But, um, but what I find interesting about these cases, the Google and Facebook case, is not so much the cases, but the conceptual idea of them as monopolies is what is the product or the service <laughs> exactly. that Google yes. and Facebook are selling? Right. Right. Well, what's your right. answer? How would you answer? Right. I mean, they are they are selling you. They are selling its yeah. users data. Yeah. That's what they're selling. Exactly. So it's not as though, like, for example, one of the arguments you make, like in a traditional break up the monopoly case at AT&T, is that the consumer mm -hmm. will benefit by having more competition. But... And and I I realize that the people who use Facebook and use Google think of themselves, I guess, to the extent they think in these terms at all, as the consumer. But you know, this is a a, a service, quote unquote, that you you're literally paying zero for, mm -hmm. right? I mean, you're mm -hmm. not paying to use Google or Facebook, right? No. So, you're paying with your data. You're paying right. with the so, things I mean, you're uploading. So I mean, the real consumers are the people who are buying ads and buying mm -hmm. data from right. Facebook and Google. Right? Yeah, they're both That's advertising they companies. Money. They're right. advertising companies. And, well, and yeah. the other thing that they've done, which is you know an extension of advertising really, is that because of the nature of you individually logging onto the system, that they're able to collect individuated data about all, in a much more, like for example, there's television ratings, and they they can collect some data based on that. But there, but the but television uh, uh, channels don't have individuated data about uh, the persons that are watching anywhere near the granular level that Google and Facebook have, and that can be sold to you know whoever it's being sold to. It's being sold so that you know I get like a hundred emails a day from. For some reason, I get emails from both the political <laughs> left and the political right. So Somebody put money. you on a list. Somebody so, went well, on. No, no, I know, but I mean, Trump's I think it's interesting. I'm on email. both lists. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, get, yeah, sure. I get sure. 20 emails a day yeah, sure. about sure. supporting the Republican candidates in Georgia and 20 emails a day on the Democratic candidates in Georgia. Sure. So I don't know. Maybe everybody gets 20 emails on both sides, although that doesn't seem like that's very granular or very effective if that's the case. But... But the point is that um, that is what they're selling, right? Like you said, it's they're selling people's data, which is you know an extension of advertising and marketing because the people buying that that data can then presumably pinpoint their targets for how how they market stuff. Yeah, and the central criticism that I have of the of the of these antitrust cases, pretty much all of them, I'm very much generalizing, and I can get into individual ones. But I mean, generally, my criticism is that they are the, the the standard that the Supreme Court has been has been placing on uh, antitrust cases has been has is the consumer harmed and it's really hard to say the consumer's harmed when they're paying nothing well so it's I think, it's it's really difficult and, to say and, that 
And that's and where it, I feel like I'm we missed the mark. I'm getting into the weeds here, but I do yeah. think, from what I understand about the Google case, at least part of the Google case is premised on the idea that the people being harmed are the people purchasing the ads, that some of them are being that they they're being treated. yeah they're being manipulated or lied to or there was an insider deal between Facebook yeah. and Google so to make sure that Google keeps all the advertising but, money or Facebook and Google keep all the advertising but, money and for so themselves. the point there being that you know you know you can have an antitrust case where essentially it's not the individual consumers who are being harmed but other you know, businesses in the chain are being harmed by this monopoly situation. I mean, that was, for example, when the Standard Oil, you referred earlier to the oil monopoly, when mm -hmm. Rockefeller Standard Oil Company was broken up, it was, a lot of it was the harm to other companies in the in the chain, the production mm. chain of oil that was involved, mm -hmm. not so much not per se the harm to the individuals at the end at the retail end of the pro of the process so there, so there may be uh, and again without and I mean I'm not an antitrust expert by any stretch of the imagination but it may be that the Google case from that perspective may be more focused in the direction of what we're talking about and and it may be that the Google is uh, you know, engaged in anti-competitive practice with regard to the people that are, you know, potentially the buyers of this information. So that, you know, remains to be seen. But I do think that that it's interesting that that's a slightly different slant in that case from what I understand than from the Facebook case. I just think this is this is the uh, the the DOJ and the FTC trying to fit a you know a square peg in a round hole. The 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 antitrust laws in the U.S. the way we've written them are not are not envisioning controlling or managing the power of tech. And tech is distinct uh, from anything that's come before for a few reasons. But we the laws in the U.S. the antitrust laws are old and outdated and calcified and 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 in and incapable and, and, and so this well, is literally would you do? how would you change the antitrust? well so i so i you know i'm the guy who's always gonna i often look to other countries and especially europe for if, if you want to look at far more aggressive regulatory schemes look to europe and if you want to cut to the chase just like you said when you start with what what is facebook you know selling they're selling your data that's what they're selling they're selling your photos your browsing history the kinds of things you click on the kind of people you talk to the interests of the people you talk to they're selling that to advertisers when you look at europe the first thing europe did and they did this a few years ago right was they passed the general data protection regulation because they were like this okay, is the heart of it but you, the heart of it is data and they want to control the data. Now, I don't think the GDPR is particularly okay. effective at what it's at what it's doing, but I do think that Europe was trying to cut to the chase and get okay. to the important Except thing, that which that's is the data. Not antitrust. That's regular. No, no, no. I understand. I'm just talking about controlling big tech. Okay. I mean, All right. And, and, so what but, you're, but you're basically no question. Then, wait a minute. Then you're basically saying well, that yeah. that, and I hear what you're saying about the antitrust law. So what you're basically saying is it's not really antitrust that we need is we need to regulate these companies more carefully. Well, these guys, I think that this, I think that there have been some Because that some does arguments. seem to be the European the approach. I agree with The you. left and the right in the U.S. seem to agree they want to control big tech. 
and they seem to be ha- there seems to be the consensus to come to bring these antitrust cases. I think it's interesting why they want to. So I think that the left is somewhat concerned about just the power of big tech. Just it's this like and this is a common you know this is I'm I've often made this argument, which is just power is you know concentrated power is bad. And you need to break up concentrated power. I think it's part of what the the left has argued. I think more narrowly on the kind of democratic what you mean by center left, left. right? Center left. What you mean by the left? Because the right. Let me lay this out. The left does not oppose concentration (laughs) of power. They just control concentration of power that they don't control. But that's well, that's that's no. Well, that's the Democrats. But I think uh, no, no. I'm talking about the real left. I'm talking about socialists. They okay, want okay. the concentration of power. They just want to control the concentration. Well, sure. That's like that's like I mean, and the easy analogy, having lived in China, is 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 WeChat and the big tech giants in China, which are completely controlled by the Communist Party and are very are very much. And I and when I hear arguments in the U.S. from the left about what they want to do to big tech, I'm like, oh yeah, that's what they're doing in China. <laughs> that's that's a, I lived under that. I'm really familiar with that. I get it. So I do under I I agree with that. Uh, but I, I think that there's a broader I don't think that's always what they want to do is control. I think some in some cases they are just like um, we want to have we want to have a, a more uh, that 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 we want to have distributed an equal uh, power as opposed to power concentrated. And I think there's some there's a kind of a broad critique of power generally that wants it doesn't want it isolated. I think on the right. The argument is also there's also a kind of a dislike of the big tech guys, and the argument on the right you hear is that it's bizarre, but it's like an, a it's a freedom of speech argument that somehow, and I don't know, I don't think this is true, but I think that this is there's some probably some evidence of this, and I I have an anecdote that relates to this, but the argument of some of the right is that these big tech firms censor the more conservative opinions about things and that there's a, a liberal bias in Silicon Valley and coming out of those uh, those tech companies. Um, and, you know, the story I always use for this, and this is so silly and trivial and minor, Jim, but when we did our episode on our previous podcast with Norm Ornstein, I was so excited that we had Norm on, that you were interviewing him, that I was going to actually place an ad on Facebook for the podcast. And so I went through the little, you know, Facebook, you have this click promote button. So I clicked the promote button and it was like, oh, for $5, you can target people within these parameters. And who do you want to target? And you can like aim for like people living in cities who are LGBT, who are whatever. You can pick a thousand different qualities and you can target the ad and then you pay every time there's a click, you pay a whatever, some amount of money. Anyway, I went through all the rigmarole for Facebook to place this ad. I hit send. I submitted my credit card. I gave him my money. Two seconds later, I get back a thing saying your your post and oh and by the way the the ad was simply our Instagram page which just said Norm Ornstein two guys in search of an argument right or whatever it was yeah, at the yeah. time. I get two seconds later from Facebook I get a response saying this is banned due to political content. You can't advertise this, and I'm like, wait a minute, what's political about this? I mean, I I mean, well, I mean it we're, was a political episode. I mean, well, but we weren't political advocacy we were interviewing a guy about it we weren't no, i mean no, I yes it. I it. I surely it. you were talking pr- from a pro-democratic yeah. position yeah. but you weren't i don't think we were like proselytizing yeah. or we weren't trying to promote yeah. and yet facebook banned us and i do think that there is 
I do think that as fancy as these big tech firms think they are about how they can manage speech and they can choose the hate speech and remove it, and they're talking more and more about that, right, about intervening yeah. as, a, as platforms, I don't think they can. They don't know what they're doing. They're, they're not very good. And, um, and so I, I think that there is an argument. I can see where people with weird radical positions, and don't get me wrong, I think that, you know, Holocaust deniers should be banned from Facebook and should be, you know, I'm, I'm all for it. But at the same time, I can see where if they can't do it right, uh, you know, you hear stories about, uh, you know, about, well, I hear stories about African-American friends writing things on Facebook that are getting banned about like, oh, if I were white, life would sure be easier. And they're banned because it's because it's political. Uh, so th- there's they're they're not very well, the tech firms are not good at what they're well, doing. First of all, I don't know where you hear these stories about Facebook, but there there's lots of political content on Facebook. I'm on Facebook. Of course there so is. You know. Yeah, and that's what's but, funny, right? But they're they're so they're but, not very effective. But the the main thing that is going on, the practical thing that is going on that Trump has raised, but which a lot of I think may happen now that Trump will be out of the picture, because I think there is support from the left and the right, is that uh, Facebook and other social media companies have this exemption from liability for content. Yep, 230, Section 230. And there is, well, I think perhaps there was some justification for that when it was passed in 1990s. Uh, I think there's a strong sense of that should not be in place anymore. Now, the effect of that will be, if that's repealed, is I think they will do even more self-censorship. Because they'll, Se- if course. they're liable for of content, they'll be... Yes. But, I mean, to me, may, to me yeah. the argument for doing that is there's, there, there's no reason they should have more protection than a television station or a newspaper. I mean, I'm a big right. advocate of freedom of speech and the government staying out of these things, but I don't see any particular reason why Facebook or Google or whoever should have any more of a privilege, or Twitter, for that matter, should have a more privileged position than, you know, the Washington Post. or Well, their, uh, their argument, Jim, just, I mean, just to put, put, make a fine point on this, that they're not exactly the same as the Washington Post and New York Times or NBC is, I mean, Twitter will say, and Facebook will say, hey, I didn't write that post. Right. But, you know. All it, I'm doing is a pl- I'm just a platform. You I just understand pu- that. But, you, c- can, come but here. you know, but newspapers and television stations are responsible for the content of ads that people put on there, too. So they can say, I didn't write that ad. We just let people, we just paid people to let us run it. But that doesn't absolve them of their responsibility in that case either. Well, so, it doesn't resolve them responsibility for the articles. No, I mean, you know, no, 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 no. The famous case, the most famous case in the history. I'm, of the I'm saying, I'm saying Wait the advertising and finish. the articles. Okay. Yeah, let me finish. The the most famous case in the in the history of the First Amendment in the United States is mm-hmm. Sullivan versus Sullivan. New York Times, in which case the Supreme Court greatly broadened newspapers' protection from libel. But that case was based on an an advertisement. Not an article in the New York Times, but an advertisement. And a newspaper is responsible for libelous material that they accept in advertisements just as much as it is in their news columns. The fact that somebody else wrote the ad and we just printed it 
doesn't give them any protection. So it, so on that level, Facebook. I get the, it. The basic They're issue They're responsible with Facebook for their ads. and Google want uh, well, Google wants to say, and Facebook want to say, each and their and Twitter wants to say is, well, if you do that, it's really going to screw up the way we do things because we're yeah. going to have to like put all these things to prevent people. We're going to have to like you know censor everything that comes through here because we're going to have to run it through some sort of thing. And so we're going to, ha- you know, it's going to be, you're going to you know, have to hire people to review things, right. yeah. which shit. is impossible for that large, for, for the number of people that are on the platform. Or they'll, it's impossible. Or they'll create algorithms to screw. To well, and, it, and the algorithms, as we just, as I, that was the point of my are not, are the algorithms yes. are very bad, but J- Jim, this is important. They're, the, the regulation they're they're looking to do the control of those guys. They're not just looking to control advertising on Google and Facebook. They are, I mean, the antitrust suits are, I'm talking about the left and the right. What the left and the right want to do is not just control advertising. They don't want I the on the I'm right. They don't want their saying posts that I think the censored. argument for repealing Section 230 is a strong one, and that the okay. Idea well, that they so let me let me give you some thought, some reasons why I I I generally would say I agree that if I, on balance I probably would remove it. I will tell you. And I think you can move, remove it now because I think there's another factor, and we haven't even discussed this yet, but I think it's the main factor that is the distincting, distinguishing factor between any monopoly to the extent that these guys are monopolies. That, that distinguishes any monopoly in the past with these guys now, which is a digital a digital, uh, a digital, something unique to di- the digital world. But I do, on balance, think Section 230, re- re- repealing it would be fine. Uh, because I think that they would, these companies would still survive. They'd figure out a way around it. But understand, this is this is exact. They we are saying then that there is no difference between that everything published in the New York Times, the New York Times can be sued for. That everything that's published on Twitter, Twitter can be sued yeah. for. And that is going to okay. Uh, but I mean, when you talk about chilling effect on speech you could not be more chilling than to say that this huge company that has infinite almost i mean i can't even imagine the number of characters more published on on twitter per day than the new york times and you're saying that they're responsible for the con all that content there is zero question that's going to be a massively chilling effect on what people say how much actually gets out there because they're just going to have to shut down anything mildly offensive on the left or the right well, I mean, that's, you know, how that they will happen. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, I don't use Twitter very much, so I maybe I well, or Facebook. Like, well, or, 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 or most these. people, in my opinion, use Facebook to show pictures of their dogs or so and so we had a baby or things like that. That people don't is, make political comments. Sure I hate they make Trump. Political I love comments Trump. All I love time. Biden. But you know what? And those would all if go the, away. And if they went away, I don't think Facebook would be harmed that much. What? Okay, I think, I don't know. I don't know how much. I mean, Jim, let me put it this way. Google's, if you're saying that Google, that a Google page, when you search for, you know, I don't know, um, articles about, if you search for our website, for our yeah. podcast, yeah. if if anything we've ever said might be offensive, we are now banned from Google and would not appear on Google anymore. 
That's it's it's extreme what you're proposing. I'm not saying it's a bad idea, and most lawyers I know love it because their lawyers are like, "Look, the legal system can handle this complex these complex cases. You know, the legal system is good at untangling you know different civil parties who come together who think they've been you know been defamed, and they can you know the people can sue each other, and this will solve it. This will work out. And I know most lawyers do support the idea of removing Section 230, but there is but it is just in terms of sheer quantity of information the information age i.e all these digital companies well, we have more a written things words you could today do. than ever before in the history of the universe yes there's a couple things you could do you could repeal it and delay the implementation to give them time to make whatever adjustments they need to make well you could do that but i mean you're still, you're not solving the problem which is what you're going to all what you're going problem to create, is it that i'm trying to solve your tr- the problem you well, I'm saying the problem you won't solve in doing what you want to do, removing Section 230, is you will not increase free speech. You will decrease well, all, free speech. These you will are limit private speech. companies. Right. Well, that's an interesting question. So when when does so there there have been arguments that some of these guys, Facebook in particular, maybe even Google, but especially Facebook, is is almost a common carrier. Is a is 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 a uh, public a digital public location where speech should be allowed. I, mean, I just want to point out to you that the more you make these common carriers, or went even further and said, "Let's have the government take over Facebook or something," right? Uh, then you have no potential. Then you can't keep the Holocaust deniers off of it. Well, sure, the government. Well, in the U.S., you can't because we yes. have free speech. Right. I understand yeah. that. I, I understand that. Well, that's that's that. This is Mark Zuckerberg's argument, right? He, Mark Zuckerberg, always says, "Look, would you do you want me to be the guy who decides whether you can say what you want to say, or do you want each other to get on these Holocaust deniers and say you guys are idiots and educate around it and get people to understand?" That well, I mean, I favor the latter, but I don't think that's the issue. The issue is, in terms of the concentration, you talk about the concentration of power in these companies, right? One of the reasons for the concentration of power is that versus old, so-called old media, they have this huge advantage. And that huge advantage is they're not legally responsible for all the stuff that's said on their media. Right. But and you know I why mean, they why should you, they have that huge well, advantage? Well, that, well, well let's ask that. Why did Section two thirty get passed in the first place? Because why, when they why were, did Bill Clinton when it was passed in the nineteen nineties, the internet right. was nascent, and so the why, idea why was did we they were need, trying to so, let these things grow. And I think that argument might have made sense. Probably did make sense at the time. But these things have grown now. They don't need any special protection. There's an argument when you're trying to foster a new industry why you might say, okay, this industry, we're going to give it a tax break or we're going to do this. We're going to give it this advantage because mm-hmm. we're trying to help foster this new industry. And then we, I mean, it's hard to you know remember, but back in the early 90s, the Internet was a new industry. It was, you know... I didn't. I didn't go on the internet till I don't know, 1993 or something. I don't know when it was, but the point is, it wasn't like it is today. Facebook didn't exist when this law was passed. I'm pretty sure. So if you go back and look at the the hearings on uh, the 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 debate, the congressional debate when they were looking to pass the 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 community the the, the section 230 and its and its yeah. parts. What you see is they they were they were seeking to 
they definitely were seeking to give some latitude to a new industry, but they were on they the the argument from the tech companies was we can't it's not that we don't want to. We can't control the speech on a platform. We can't if if we are if 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 we are a gathering place for people who come by and speak, we if we are expected to go through every time everyone posts something on Facebook, we have to read it and decide is it true? Is it not true? Is it defama- is it defamatory? Is it is it good? Is it bad? Does it comply with it hate speech? If you want us to read every single post posted by every person in the world, or at least in the U.S., probably in the world, unless you're going to put a wall up between uh, the users outside of the U.S. and in the U.S., every single post, we have to read it and give. We can't do that. That's why they passed Section 230. They passed it because the technology doesn't, the, the, the technology permits such quantity of information to have, and China's tried to do this, to have people sitting in these rooms reading posts and banning them, which is honestly, I can tell stories of that happening to me in China. I've told them before. I'll tell it again. They're funny stories. I mean, some of them are almost jokes, but they have actual people reading the the content of, of mostly foreigners in China on systems, on chat systems like WeChat. But the idea in the U.S. was the argument for Section 230 was we can't do it. We can't do it. Our entire business model is just that a lot of people come and, to us okay, and so they say their began, own things. Right, so we can't read it all. You're you're playing the devil's advocate, but you began this by saying that you thought that the concentration of power it, and the concentration of wealth is a concern. So my my what I am saying to you is that the 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 advantage they have been given in the law is what helps them concentrate the power and wealth. I okay, so now so you're getting to a different point. So what do I think the problem is, or what if I were the regulatory god, or if I could write a new antitrust law? No, that's not pro competition. But go ahead and tell us that before we wrap (laughs) things up here. If I were to, oh, you want to wrap things up? I'm just getting going. I haven't even gotten to what I want to talk about. This is a top of mind. Oh, I haven't even gotten to what I want to talk about. (laughs) I haven't started. I have a list of nine points I haven't even gotten to. This is like preliminary. What have you been talking about for the past half hour? I was just setting. I was just answering your questions. We're gonna have to. We're gonna have to do Facebook part two then because this is crazy. I was. I didn't even get into it. I mean, the take there. There are. We haven't even started with the the main problem. (laughs) The essence of the problem is. What is the essence uh, of the problem? The the problem is network effects. And one of my favorite professors from. the Booth School of well, Business at the University of Chicago. So you have to explain with them. I'm going to talk about it right now. The uh, one of my favorite professors, Ron Burt. Uh, he's a sociologist at the University of Chicago. He's big into this, uh, and in in a tr- non-digital way, which is the power of networks. And this is not anything new. Everybody okay, knows right. this, right? I got it. The power of networks. People who want to send their kids to school to be around other rich kids or other kids who are all right, privileged, all right. so, that okay. they open doors. So explain people what who your want point to, is, though. Move to your okay. point. Okay. So and you want to be you want to hang around with other people who are movers and shakers, so you can be a mover and shaker. the The argument of um, the the argument of a network effect is that is that that there's power in networks. I got it. The digital world takes the power of networks to an entirely new level. At, at yeah. the end of the day, the reason so, okay, people all right. can't so leave, everybody understands the reason that. people can't what leave Facebook. What is the problem with all this? The problem is that that's the problem. You cannot have competition for social networks when everybody's on Facebook. 
So what's now the there is competition. The there's plenty of other. There's plenty of other uh, uh, of other services out there. But what you find is there is a constant and powerful regression to the mean of where the network okay. power so rests. So in, 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 a, in, a, in a minute, what is the solution? Well, the solution is dealing with the network problem. And so that's where that? I said, well, one way. Right. So, well, there's a, there's a lot of different ways to do it. But the main way, the main way I would do it is create some kind of data portability law where essentially you create a property right for people around their own data. If I post something anywhere, I own it, and not Facebook or Google or anyone else. And if and if and if and if people misuse that property, or if they or if it's if there's uh, or if I choose to move to a different social network, I am allowed to. Uh, I can take that with me. My my connections. I think a data portability law. A data portability is really important. That's really important. Uh, and I also think the other thing that's important is um, it is actually creating a uh, um, creating alternatives and by by allowing there to be some form of uh, what's the word I'm looking for like some kind of uh, in in nascent space for new social networks and new competitors to emerge. And the only way to do that is with massive help from the government by pointing, uh, you know, making date, making Google give up some of its data, making Facebook give up some of its data and handing it give over. It and those who? companies will handing never give up their data because they view that as like their gold. Yeah. You mean to another company? Yeah. So that is antitrust. Company. That is what the antitrust thing is. Well, but they're not making them. They're not going to yeah, go after. You, no, this is you, the antitrust listen, cases are like we want listen. Instagram and, no, and no, Instagram no, no. and WhatsApp break to, to break off of Facebook. As part of that, they would take some of the data. With them. Well, they're t from what I'm reading, that is they're, they're having yeah, a they, they would have a major problem with that. They don't know how to do that. Well, I don't know how to do it either. I mean, the we're easy gonna, answer, John, this is why. John, you have a lot more to say on the subject, but we're going to have to let it rest here right now. <laughs> Sorry. Well, let me, awesome. let, well, Go yeah, ahead. so I mean, what's your, take, what's your takeaway? What's your takeaway? My takeaway is they should repeal Section 230, and we'll see what happens That's at it. the end. Oh, wow. Okay. I don't know if that'll solve the problem, but I think it's not a bad I, idea. I don't. I think it's a good I, starting see, point. Unlike you, I don't think there is things that are, I don't think that there are permanent solutions to problems. I think you you take things one. <laughs> Did I thing say at there time. are permanent solutions to problems? Well, but you said it won't solve the problem. I don't know. The problem is different things. I mean, there's part the of me that says today. nobody has to go on Facebook or nobody has to go on Twitter. Uh, you don't uh, go on Facebook, so that's proof of that. I don't go on Twitter, on so Facebook. that's proof of that, right? So. Yeah. Nobody has to use these things, right? Well, so you think the you think the antitrust cases are stupid, then? No, I don't think that necessarily because I don't. know Well, you think there's competition. There's sufficient competition, no, so you I don't need it. I didn't say that. I just sure, said. You just said it. You said you can bounce off it. People can go somewhere else. Except that the we just discussed the real issue is that we're not actually the consumers. The consumers are the people who buy the ads, and and Facebook and Google may be acting in an anti-competitive way towards their their actual consumers. Mm. Yeah, that's but, weird. So this, so I think if you ask most people who support the antitrust, they'd say that 
the reason we should break up these guys or we should do something about them is because of how they treat they treat me the user not because of how they treat yeah, the advertising I think, companies i don't see how the antitrust suit is going to change that no and it's not it's not i mean that's why i, I what i really like from from you jim and i was kind of hoping you were going to bring to this podcast was a conversation about kind of the way that antitrust is flawed and the way that Congress, because Congress can't find its ass from a hole in the wall, is, you know, is unable to pass yeah. legislation to update it and make I, it relevant to them. I think I believe more in regulation than antitrust. And, and I'm not monopolies per se don't bother me as much. You know, I mean, again, the the con the conundrum on the left is they're all in favor of monopolies as long as they control them. They just don't like monopolies that they don't control, that some rich guy, quote-unquote, controls. So right. I'm, monopolies, per se, I think are probably a fact of life. I think, you know, yep. I mean, how would Facebook work if there were 10 different Facebooks? People would all want to join one of the or two of the Facebooks, right? Because they want to be on the Facebook everybody else is there would be a There would be a gravitational pull toward yeah. the strongest network. So, I mean... To me, the question is regulation, and I think a good start on the regulation is repealing 230. Final word, John, before we go. (laughs) No, I have nothing to say. Thank you. Thanks to Justin Mullen for a stalwart editing. Thanks to Ted Enley for composing and pouring the music that you hear at the beginning and the end of each episode. Thanks to Mary Heinz for her technical wizardry, without which this podcast would never have come into existence and would not continue to exist. Thanks most of all to you, our listeners. We'd love to hear from you if you have any comment or reaction, good or bad, to this episode or to our podcast in general. And if you want to discuss antitrust policy and big tech with John, I'm sure if you called him on the phone, he would want to spend an hour or more talking about that. We'd love to hear from you. You can let us know what you think by leaving a comment on our website, in search, www.insearchofanargument.com. That's all one word. You can leave us a comment on our Facebook page or Twitter. So make of it that what you will. We do pay attention to feedback and we very much appreciate it. If you like what you are hearing and you are listening to us on iTunes or Stitcher, please rate us. And if you like what you're hearing, please tell anyone you can any way that you want. We will be back in one week with our end of 2020, beginning of 2021 episode. And we look forward to seeing you then. Bye-bye.